everyone and welcome back to an all new brand new episode of unknown serial killers thank you guys for of course tuning in each and every week for your daily unknown serial killer fix of course guys if you missed any of the episodes please go catch up and do so now because you do not want to miss any of these episodes because they're just that great Of course, viewers' discretion is advised because we are talking about murder, violence, and possible drug use. Of course, we're going to be talking about murder and violence because this is what we're here for. So this week, we're going to be going to Canada and talking about Keith Hunter Jesperson, also known as the Happy Face Killer. If you haven't heard about him, this is the right place to be because we're going to talk about him now. Jesperson was born on April 6, 1955 to Leslie and Glaze Jefferson in Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada, the middle child with two brothers and two sisters. Jesperson's father was a domineering alcoholic, according to Jesperson, his paternal grandfather who was prone to violence. Jesperson's father denied being an abusive parent. However, while investigating for his book on the killer author, Jack Olson was able to confirm much of the claim abuse with other family members. Treated like an outcast by his own family and teased by other children for his large size at a young age, Jesperson was a lonely child who showed an interest for torturing and killing animals. After moving to Washington, United States, he had trouble fitting in and making friends because of his large size. His brother did not help him Instead, they named him Igor, a name that stuck throughout his school years. Because of this, Jesperson was a shy child, content to play by himself much of the time. He will often get into trouble for behaving badly, sometimes violently, and would be severely punished by his father. This included beatings, sometimes with a belt in front of others, and in one case, he received an electric shock. At a very early age, as young as five, Jefferson would capture and torture animals. He enjoyed watching animals kill each other, as well as the feeling he got from taking their lives. This continued as he got older. Jefferson would capture birds and stray cats and dogs around the trailer park where he lived with his family, severely beating the animals and then strangling them to death. Something for which he claims his father was proud of. In the years following, Jefferson said he often thought about what it would be like to do the same to a human. Now, I don't know about you guys, I don't know if you've heard this before, but once kids start killing animals, they they upgrade to people. So that's how they start. And if you see any signs of that, then you know what that means. That desire manifested in two attempted murders. The first happened when Jefferson was around age 10, when he was friends with a boy named Martin. The two would often get into trouble together and Jefferson claimed he was often punished many times for things Martin had done and shifted the blame. This led Jefferson to violently attack Martin until his father pulled him away. He later claimed his intentions was to kill a boy. Approximately one year later, Jefferson was swimming in a lake when another boy held him underwater until he blacked out. Sometime later at a public pool, Jefferson attempted to drown the boy by holding his head under the water until a lifeguard pulled him away. Jefferson reported that he was raped at age 14. He graduated from high school in 1973 but did not attend college because his father did not believe he could do it. Although Jefferson was not 
successfully with the girls in high school. Having never even attended a school dance or his prom, he did enter into a relationship after high school. In 1975, when Jefferson was age 20, he married Rose, and the couple had three children, two daughters and one son. Jefferson worked as a truck driver to support his family. Several years later, his wife Rose began to suspect Jefferson was having affairs with strange women would call. Tensions in the marriage increased, and after 14 years, while Jefferson was on the road, she packed up her and the children's belongings and drove 200 miles away to live with her parents in Spokane, Washington. The oldest child, Melissa, was 10 years old. Jefferson continued to spend time with his children when he was in town. The couple divorced in 1990. At age 35, standing 6'7 and weighing approximately 255 pounds, Jefferson began working towards the goal of joining the Royal Canadian Mount Police, but an injury suffered while training ended his endeavor. He then sought work again as an interstate truck driver after relocating to Cheney, Washington. Jefferson soon realized that his job offered him the opportunity to kill without being suspected. Jefferson's first known victim was Taja Bennett on January 21st, 1990 near Portland, Oregon, United States. He introduced himself to Bennett at a bar and invited her to a house he was renting. After getting into the argument with Bennett, he strangled her to death with his hands and disposed of her body. On August 30th, 1992, the currently unidentified body of a woman Jefferson had raped and strangled was found near California, United States. Jefferson's gave the James Doe name as Claudia. A month later in Turklock, California, the body of Cynthia Lynn Rose was discovered. Jefferson claims Rose was a sex worker who entered his truck at a truck stop while he slept. His fourth victim was another sex worker, Lauren Ann Pentland of Salem, Oregon, whose body was found in November 1992. According to Jefferson, Pentland attempted to double the fee she charged for the sex he had been engaged in with her. She threatened to call the police and he strangled her. Jefferson killed his next victim in June 1993 in Santa California. She was previously an unidentified woman named Patricia Skipley, who he claimed was named Carla or Cindy. Police originally considered her death a drug overdose. In September 1994, another Jane Doe was found in Crestville, Florida. Jefferson claimed that her name was Suzanne. Jefferson was arrested on March 30, 1995 for the murder of Julie Wigginham. He had been questioned by police a week before, but they had no grounds to arrest him after he refused to talk. In the days following, Jefferson decided that he was certainly going to be arrested, and after two suicide attempts, turned himself in, hoping it would result in leniency during his sentencing. While in custody, Jefferson began revealing details of his killings and making claims of many others, most of which he later recanted. A few days before his arrest, he wrote a letter to his brother in which he confessed to having killing, have, having killed eight people over the course of five years. This led police agencies in several states to reopen old cases, many of which were found to be possible victims of Jefferson. Although Jefferson at one point claimed to have had as many as 185 victims, only that eight women killed in Washington, Oregon, California, Florida, Nebraska, and Wyoming have been confirmed. He is serving three 
consecutive life sentences at the Oregon State Penitentiary in Salem. In September 2009, Jesperson was indicted in Riverside County, Florida on murder charges. He was extradited in December 2009. He was convicted of another murder and received a fourth life sentence in January 2010. So at this point, they should just probably should have gave him the death penalty. Early in the investigation of Bennett's murder, Laverne Pavlak read the news reports surrounding Bennett's death and saw it as an opportunity to force an end to the long-term abusive relationship he had been in with her living boyfriend, John Sosnack. Pavlak set up a meeting with investigators that gave a false confession using the details she had read in the newspaper to give a detailed story of how Sosnack forced her to help him rape, murder, and dispose of Bennett's body. Pavlak and Sobanak were both arrested on March 5, 1990, and both were convicted of the murders on February 8, 1991. To avoid the possibility of facing the death penalty, Sobanak pleaded no contest. He was sentenced to life in prison, while Pavanek was sentenced to no less than 10 years, much more than she had anticipated. Pavanek soon admitted to making up her entire story, but her claims were ignored. On January 7, 1996, more than five years after their conviction, Paul Vanek and Sovanek were released from prison after Jefferson and his attorney offered his confession with convincing evidence of his guilt. He had been giving police officers the locations of the victim's purse. The person that had been found at the crime scene and its location was considered information only the killer would know. So, the reason why he's called the happy fist killer I'm about to tell you following Bennett's murder and all the attention was going to Paul Neck and Sovanek Jefferson wrote a confession on the bathroom wall of a truck stop and signed it with a smiley face when that did not create the attention he desired he wrote letters to media outlets and police departments confessing to his murders starting with a six page letter to the to the Oregon in which he revealed the details of his killings. Jefferson signed each letter with a smiley face. This led Phil Stanford, the journalist working the story of the organin to Doug Jefferson, the happy face killer. So that's why he's called the happy face killer because it's not because he drew happy faces on the on his victims' bodies. No, he just signed his letters like that. And just imagine he has like I said, he has he has three kids, and just imagine being any one of his kids. I couldn't imagine that. Just imagine being Ted Bundy's kids or being the parents of Jeffrey Dahmer. That's that's nothing I would be proud of. So he confirmed to have killed eight victims, confessed to as many as 185. Um, he is doing a life sentence without parole, so that means he's gonna die in there and currently he is 67 years old as we speak um so yeah that's just the story of the happy face killer thank you guys for tuning in this week and listening to the story of keith jesperson i hope you guys continue to tune in and always tune in because we have more of these crazy and non-serial stories.
like I always tell you guys be nice to people because you never know who they kill see you guys next week Thank you.